This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 67 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, I just love the way these things work out sometimes. We had planned this episode of the podcast a couple of months ago. We knew we wanted to have an episode of the podcast all about Lent and how all Christians, not just Catholic Christians, but everyone, how they could all bring a little bit of Lenten practices into their family and why they might want to do so. So we planned to do this podcast and I asked my good friend, Father Doug Martin on to the show to come and talk to us a little bit about Lent. Well, it wasn't too long after I set up the interview with Father Doug that I got an email in the inbox from Asherita Choo Choo. Now, Asherita is an evangelical author who has written a Lenten devotional for non-Catholic Christians. And uh, she was wanting to come on to the show to talk a little bit about that. And I thought, That sounds fabulous. So what we have today is a little bit of a different kind of show than what we normally have. We actually have two guests. We went ahead and we did the interview with Father Doug. He has a wonderful perspective on Lent. He is a Catholic priest, but he is also a homeschooling dad. And we'll talk a little bit about how that happened uh, in the interview. But then we also had Asherita come on. And she talked to us all about her book, What Led Her to the Practice of Lent, and uh, how non-Catholic Christians can experience kind of the joy of Lent. And I know you don't always think about Lent and joy going hand in hand, but really, really they do. And so as you listen, I would love for you to listen to some of the similarities that go on between the two conversations. You're going to notice that both of my guests talk about this slowing down and grieving for the sin that we've brought into the world and the opportunity to join with Jesus in his suffering. So I think you're going to find actually more similarities than differences between the two conversations. So we'll get on with those right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Your Morning Basket podcast is brought to you by the Spring into Shakespeare Challenge. Come on over to the website at pambarnhill.com Shakespeare to download your Spring into Shakespeare Challenge packet. What we're trying to do with this challenge is encourage you to read Shakespeare with your kids. We want to take some of the intimidation out of reading Shakespeare and all do it together. So the packet is going to explain everything about the Spring into Shakespeare program for you. We're using Misty Winkler's five-step Shakespeare lesson plan process to walk you through provide everything you need to help you get started doing Shakespeare. 
So the play we're doing together is The Comedy of Errors, and we have a whole packet of information for you on uh, resources you can use, how to get started with your kids, a reading schedule, everything that you need. We're outlining Misty's entire five-step process of how she does this and giving you all kinds of wonderful resources. And then we're having a live kickoff event for you and your kids We're just trying to get you into doing some Shakespeare, and we want to provide you with the resources and the hand-holding that you need to make it less intimidating for you. So come on over to pambarnhill.com forward slash Shakespeare. Get all the information about the fun live event, and also sign up for your very own Spring into Shakespeare packet. And now, on with the podcast. Father Doug Martin is a homeschooling father of three kids, ages 19, 17, and 11. He and his wife of 22 years, Amanda, have always worked as a team to homeschool their children, focusing on their faith as the central pillar of their children's education. On today's podcast, Father Doug will be offering us his unique perspective as a Catholic convert and now ordained priest on the liturgical season of Lent, sharing ways that all Christian families can enter into this season in their morning time. Father Doug, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Look forward to this all week. Oh, good. I am so glad to hear that. So we have to tell everybody that you and I are actually in real life friends. That's correct. We are friends. Pretty good friends, as as a matter of fact. Yeah. So we've known each other for 10 years? At least 10. Yeah. Yeah. At least 10 years. So uh, Father Doug, before he was Father Doug, was actually uh, the director of religious education at my church here in town. And um, his wife, Amanda, and his kids, uh, we've been in and out of co-ops together for a number of years now. Yeah, for all, almost, almost, we go almost as far back as the co-op that started there. I think we may have even been one of the families that were, was in the beginning of that. I'm not really for sure, but I think we were. We you, to- a year after. you totally were. You totally were because I remember Jillian was in sixth grade. So. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. So there you go. Yeah. 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 Well, tell us a little bit. We've started this already, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. I was an Episcopal priest for several years and came into the Catholic Church and was not a priest for for several years. And the Catholic Church has this thing where they allow former married Episcopal priests to become Catholic priests, even though we're married and have children. And so um, that's really what I'm doing now is I'm a a priest and my wife and I um, have three children together and we've homeschooled them. Uh, all the way through. We've never uh, not homeschooled. And so our, our family life is just as crazy as any other homeschooler's family life is. And so it's it's really kind of a neat thing. And, and we've always kind of tag teamed everything that we've done with homeschooling. So we, we both have our strengths and weaknesses. We recognize that. Uh, there was for several years, Amanda didn't work. But um, when she did go back to work, we really had to, to work on, on tag teaming it together. And so it took a little time to, to kind of get into a good pattern, but we did. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I've always noticed about the two of you. It's always very much a family affair. Uh, even when you were 
director of religious education there at the church, you know, uh, you and she were kind of passing back and forth with uh, educating the kids and it was flexible and you could take them with you. So you were always just as involved as she was in the whole process. Yeah. And, and that really did make it easier because of my job. It was uh, because of being a, a religious you know, director of religious ed and youth minister, it was very flexible. So there's times where I could make it fit the schedule that we needed. So if we had a field trip or if she couldn't be at co-op or if the kids had a project due the next day and she was working, all those sorts of things, I was able to kind of finagle my schedule and finesse it so that I could be a part of that and, and do it outside of what I normally did. So I, I normally did most of the religious educational part, obviously, because that's my background. But I would also help out with other things as well. Now, I didn't help out like with English and writing because I'm terrible at that stuff. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So uh, believe it or not, even though I'm pastor and deliver the homilies, thank God I've got a wife who knows how to do um, some of that editing. It really, it really came to hand. But, uh, everything else we kind of worked on and did together. All right. Well, um, and so now growing up in the South, you didn't grow up Episcopal either, did you? I didn't. Uh, I grew up a United Methodist and I grew up in a very small town. And so um, in my little town, there was Methodist, Baptist, and I think Assembly of God or something like that. There, there wasn't too many options for you. And so um, when I went off to school, off to college, I started encountering a, a lot of different things. And so it, it piqued my interest. There, there's some people that it, it really didn't. They, they were kind of ensconced in what they grew up in, and, and that's fine. But for me, I, it, it really became a journey for me to figure out what all these things were, Lutherans and Episcopals and Catholics and uh, all these other things, to figure out what they were and, and you know, do I, where do I really fit in? Do I fit in as a Methodist or, you know, really should I be somewhere else? And so I, I guess I was maybe more open to it than, than maybe others. And so um, – I, I kind of moved on. So it, I moved uh, to the Episcopal church and then to the Catholic church. And I think part of that has to do with my background in, in the way that we worshiped as Methodists. We would have, we had a very liturgical way of worshiping um, specifically for Methodists. And um, when I went to the Episcopal church, I just saw it as kind of a, the next step of, of really becoming a little bit more engaged in liturgy and, and a little less um, of it being, well, and not as structured. And then um, in the Episcopal Church, going to the Catholic Church, it was really a natural move for me. So, um, and, and, you know, I was always searching until I became Catholic. Once I became Catholic, um, I just knew I was home. There was a, a rest that I, I was able to receive from that. And it's been fantastic. I have a similar story. You know, I grew up with a variety Baptist. I actually, I spent some time as a, as a Methodist myself and, um, and then moved into the Catholic church. So that was one of the things that I felt was like unique about your background. You've been kind of seeped in, in this religious education thing for a number of years now where you are educating others on things like Lent but then you also have the perspective of other Christian communities that you can bring to uh, to this conversation as well. And you're a homeschool dad. Yeah, 
All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> so you kind of checked all the boxes. So yeah, I hit them all. It's like that's pretty cool. Well, let's start off by talking a little bit about what Lent is all about. Um, where does this practice come from? Great. So Lent is the 40-day liturgical season of fasting, special prayer and almsgiving, in preparation really for, for Easter. The name Lent is from the Middle English word lectin, which means spring. So this is uh, a feast that take, or this is a season that takes place mostly in the springtime. Some, some maybe at the end of winter, but mainly in the springtime. It's more primitive ecclesiastical name was the 40 days. And so there's a Latin and a Greek term for both of those. And the number 40 is noted in actually the canons of the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD. So this is a very early practice. It's likely in imitation of, of Jesus' fast in the desert before his public ministry. So like with the Old Testament president of Moses and Elijah being in the desert for 40 days or experiencing 40 days of preparation for, for whatever it may be, going to the promised land or whatever it might be. If we're looking kind of for a, a biblical precedence for Lent, because the word Lent is not going to be found in Scripture, then that period Correct. of time in the desert is going to be it. That's correct. And, and, um, but by the fourth century in, in most of the West, Lent was referred to as the 40 days, and it was including Ash Wednesday through Holy Thursday. But um, some of the biblical um, ideas of it is it, it's very true. There's not a specific time period in Scripture that's called Lent. But what happens is, is, is it's taken from Scripture. So it's uh, something that we use from example in Scripture. So it's really, you know, a number for, for discipline, devotion, and preparation. 40 is in the Bible. So, you know, you look at Moses on the mountain of God for 40 days, and then you have the spies and the lamb for 40 days in the book of Numbers. That's uh, chapter 13, verse 25. Elijah traveled for 40 days before he reached the cave that he had his vision in in 1 Kings 19.8. Nineveh was given 40 days to repent in Jonah 3.4. And most importantly, of course, prior to his undertaking his ministry, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. So that's in Matthew 4, 2. So, so there's a very biblical precedence to the number 40 and to it being tied specifically to pre preparation for something else. Yeah, preparation and waiting. <laughs> yeah, waiting and, and yeah, and, and trying to prepare yourself for something greater or for something bigger or for something else that you that you have to do or you're being called to do. And so the 40 days it really does represent that time period. And so what normally happens in that time period, because it's, it's uh, time for preparation, discipline and devotion are, are usually tied to it very specifically. So it's not just a matter of, of waiting. It's actually getting prepared for something. Okay. So practically, what, what can this look like um, for somebody who is observing Lent? Yeah. So, you know, in the Catholic Church, there, there's a specific way uh, that this happens. And, and then outside of the Catholic Church, there have been various uh, expressions of it. And so for a Catholic, for the season of Lent, you know, it usually starts at, at Ash Wednesday. And so um, we have um, two fast and abstinence 
stays in there and I'll explain what those are in a minute but we have two of those days which is Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and then for us each Friday is a, a day of abstinence from meat and so um, those are some of the characteristics of it and so one of the things that kind of carries over from Catholics to to non-Catholics is the idea of um, fasting or putting on something spiritual and so what, what generally you hear is, is people giving up chocolate <laughs> during <laughs> Lent. That's a very, uh, it's a very common thing. And so there, there's lots of people that, that do that and they're not even really sure why they're giving it up, except that it's Lent. Most people give up chocolate because that's the pretty tough thing to give up. I must admit. But again, the, the whole idea of, of giving that up is not just to, to, it's not only sacrifice, which that's part of it is, is sacrificing something. But most of it is about really um, self-mastery or, or, or for that matter, bringing our body into submission and, and bringing our mind into submission and being able to, to give something up for the purpose of giving ourselves to, to Christ himself. And so um, what this what this really could could look like is uh, a very simple thing. Uh, an example that I would give is, is there was one year that uh, I gave up coffee. I love coffee. And so I gave up coffee. And so rather than drinking coffee or really any other drink, I only drank water during Lent. Um, another example could be rather than watching Netflix, you add an hour of spiritual reading or more, uh, depending on how much you watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it just all depends. Um, and so, so there's, there's lots of things that, that can be done to, to kind of make this a practice of not just a Catholic practice, but really a Christian practice and in a Christian pa- practice of spiritual principle, which is fasting and preparation for a purpose. And Jesus set the example for this during his days in the desert when he went without, and this was kind of a spiritual discipline for him as well, correct? Correct. And, and you know, this is the, the idea of, of um, abstinence and sacrificing or even fasting and prayer in Scripture is is really all throughout Scripture. And, and the idea of penance, prayer, and almsgiving – are all really tied together very tightly in scripture. And, and so one of the prime examples of that is we, we see of Jesus himself um, preparing himself for the ministry that he was about to have going out into the desert and fasting and preparation. And it was a way of, you know, kind of a spiritual discipline of, of, of getting himself ready, much like an athlete would do. You know, an, an athlete, if you're going to run at a marathon, you, you sacrifice, but the sacrifice isn't just giving up what, what you're eating. The sacrifice is also exercise and doing something and preparing yourself for the very thing you're about to do. And, and that's really what we see with Lenten sacrifice of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving is it's preparing us to be really a, a better disciple of Christ, someone who's uh, more willing to pray, more willing to um, bring ourselves into submission to what God has called us to do and also in giving to those who need and, and which is really all that we're called to do. The, the very clearly we're, we're called to do that in scripture. Okay. So this is interesting because so often, uh, and this was an understanding that I came 
too about Lent over the years is that, you know, it's not just giving something up that you like, but it's also preparing yourself. And so that's where the prayer and the almsgiving comes in. Uh, It's, that's the prep, you know, even more so the preparation part than the fasting. It is. And it, and, and it being tied to Easter is very important too, because, you know, this is a time that's leading up to the commemoration of our Lord's death for our sins and the commemoration of his resurrection for our salvation. And we as Christians all share that. And so the, the idea of, repent, of repentance during this time is very appropriate because we know what God gave up for us. We know what Jesus gave up for us. And so for us to be willing to deny ourselves something that we enjoy, we discipline our wills so that we're not just slaves to that pleasure. And it also allows us to prepare ourselves to really celebrate something that on Easter is, you know, one of the biggest things. I mean, it is the salvation of all Christians, which is the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as we prepare ourselves for that, um, the, the acts of repentance is, is in a way our way of, of not only showing, but preparing ourselves for that by giving up those things that mean so much to us. It helps to discipline us so that when we take up new things, hopefully those become a part of our life. The last thing I really hope and want to hear is, is that, you know, someone has, has given up Netflix and picked up spiritual reading. And then at the end of Lent, they go back to watching Netflix. I mean, the, the really the whole point of Lent is not to give something up for a short period of time, but really to, to make, you know, if you will, a lifestyle change. And so, okay. So you're not, it's not as if you're not going to watch Netflix again, but maybe you spend less time watching that and you spend a little bit more time in spiritual reading, especially if you didn't do so before. So it's a period of time of discipline uh, to, to, you know, make permanent change in your life, to, to maybe even build a habit that's going to end up being a permanent change. Correct. And, yeah. You know, and it's also, for us, it's, it's also appropriate for us to mourn the sins for which, you know, Jesus died. I mean, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And so we, we kind of take time. To, to mourn those things. And so that's what this kind of period does. You know, it's a, it's human to have an innate, you know, uh, psycho- psychological need to mourn tragedies and, and our sins are, are tragedies really of the greatest sort. So, you know, due to our fallen human natures, we also have a need to, you know, set times in which to engage in this behavior, to really mourn those things that have been lost. People do this after they, you know, lose a loved one or, or lose a relative lose, you know, a part of their family that may be a dog or a cat, they lose their job, they move somewhere, they take time to mourn those things. And so taking this time to kind of mourn what really led to, you know, the the crucifixion itself. So it's appropriate to set those times of repentance for that and to remember those things while we're being disciplined to prepare ourselves for it so that afterwards we can be a good example for it. Hmm. Okay, so we're about to get into talking about what this can look like in the home, especially with younger kids and um, during morning time. But I have one more question for you, and I'm not asking it for anybody in particular. Okay. But what happens if you stink 
at sacrifices. <laughs> <laughs> so asking for a friend, I eh? asking um, for a friend. <laughs> What happens if you start off like, you know, really gung ho and really good. And then, you know, you kind of fizzle out during the 40 days. Yeah. Well, well, you know, the the thing is, is the only thing that's required for a Catholic is, is just the fasting and abstinence on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and then abstinence on Fridays. The, the idea of taking something up or sacrificing something or giving something up for Lent is really more of a a personal piety type of act. It's really more of, it's not controlled by the church. It's really controlled by you. So, so, you know, if, if it becomes too difficult, you're able to change those things. And I'll give you an example of it. Um, When I was working at a company, I had agreed to stop drinking uh, I, I, well, I decided I wasn't going to drink Coke and I wasn't going to drink coffee anymore. I, I had a bad habit of drinking both of those. And so um, I stopped drinking both. And apparently my coming off of caffeine wasn't going so well. So on Ash Wednesday, I began that. And by Monday, I had a couple of the ladies I was working with that said, you're about to start drinking one or the other of them because we can't put up with you like, like this. <laughs> So, so I added one back so that it wasn't as hard. And so what happens is, is a lot of times we're really gung ho about it. And we, we and like, I know someone that was giving up three things and I was trying to tell them, you know, man, that's an awful lot when you haven't given up anything the whole year to give up three things for 40. I mean, that's really tough. And so, you know, just kind of tampering it and, and being careful. And then on top of that, realizing it's more of a personal discipline rather than something that the church is calling and asking for us to do. And so being patient with yourself and realizing that, well, like if you're a runner, I mean, and and you're practicing for a marathon, there's some days that you may be hurting and and you may not be able to run as long as you wanted to that day. So you may have committed to, I'm going to run five miles a day. You know, there's a couple of days you only can run three miles a day. Well, it's not as if you just give it up completely. And it's not as if you, you feel like you failed. Do you see it as a part of the process? And so, you know, part of that is, is we're not going to do this perfectly. We, we do need to be patient with ourselves because we are preparing ourselves for something, meaning that we're not where we need to be already. And so taking that time in Lent to, to say, you know, man, I didn't live up to what I wanted to today or this week is actually a, a really good thing. It's not, it's not, as negative as maybe people make it on themselves. I think sometimes we're a harder grader on ourselves than we are other people. And so what I would say is, is, you know, yeah, sacrifice. And if you fall off man, get back on the, on the bike and start, you know, start riding again. Yeah. And I think to, to me, Lent is obviously I want it to be a time of spiritual discipline. And I think the biggest thing I learn out of it every single year is I can't do this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, true. That yeah. if if I'm going on the will of Pam, it doesn't yeah. <laughs> work. Right. Well, and and you know, for someone that has a you know, for someone who who specifically has uh, a, if it's something, if sacrifice is a problem, in other words, giving something up, then maybe for that person, adding something would be better. And, and maybe that wouldn't be either because that's a sacrifice all its own to, to add something to your schedule or to your time or to, you know, whatever you're doing uh, can be just as big of a problem as taking something away from it. 
And so, you know, either becomes a sacrifice, but sometimes people find it easier to, to add something and specifically add something small rather than trying to take something away. And it's specifically something that they're going to desperately miss. Like if you're a coffee drinker and you don't drink coffee for 40 days, it can have a radical effect on you. (laughs) And (laughs) And your children. (laughs) And your children and your husband. I mean, you know, I've seen all the memes of, you know, the line on the coffee mug, don't talk to me. You know, you can look at me now. All right, now we can talk. You know, it, it, it can be that way. And so, you know, just really not taking on too much is really the thing. And I think sometimes we want to take on a lot and we really want to dig into something and be all in. And, and the truth is, is we can be all in in small ways. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world because, you know, Jesus takes our, our small sacrifices and make them and makes them big. It, it, it you know, lots of times it's, and we hear this said all the time, it's the small things that matter. And Jesus even said, how can I trust someone in big things if they're not trustworthy in small things? And so sometimes we have to start small and there's nothing wrong with that. It, yeah. there, there's no shame in it. And, and there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I just, you know, look, I can't give up coffee for that long. Um, I think I'm just going to start, you know, drinking water and, rather than soft drinks or, you know, whatever it may be, or I'm just going to try and drink more water. You know, just, I'm trying to give just a, a, a rudimentary example, but something to that effect. Yeah, or instead of I'm going to get up and pray for an hour every morning, if you haven't been doing that at all, you know, it might be a better practice to say, you know, I'm going to start my day with five minutes or 10 minutes and, you know. Exactly, exactly. So. Or if you haven't been a reader or, or, or you haven't read spiritual things, I mean, yeah, reading five minutes a day in a spiritual book or in, or in the Bible itself or 10 minutes or 15 minutes and making it manageable as opposed to failure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talking about sacrificing small things and doing small things, let's move on to smaller people and let's talk about what could, uh, what could a family do uh, in a morning time or any other time of day that they're all together to bring some of these Lenten practices and make them meaningful for children? What do you tell your kids about Lent? We usually flog them. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't write letters, folks. We don't need emails. He doesn't really flog them. Only kidding. You may feel like it, but no, you don't. So, um, so no, I I mean, you know, again, remembering that, that whatever you're doing is not a requirement, that it's something that you're, you're giving up together. And specifically you can do things. uh, you, You can give up things together or do things together. So, you know, one of the things that, that, I suggest always with a family is, is adding a prayer, a prayer or, de, or a devotional that they have, that has an emphasis on penance or on the life of Christ, you know, really specifically on his time in the desert, if you can. So, so adding something that you normally wouldn't to, if you're already praying together as a family, adding something of, of penance or, or of um, encouraging, you know, giving, you know, we call it almsgiving, but really, almsgiving is simply giving out a sacrifice. And so, you know, in in some ways practicing, you know, talking about those things. Um, If you normally eat meat with your breakfast, don't just eat eggs and toast. If you normally um, eat a warm breakfast, 
eat a cold one instead. So rather than saying if, if you eat eggs and, and bacon every day, you decide that you're going to just, you know, have a banana or something like that. Something where what you're giving up isn't necessarily being full and sustenance, but is a, a trade for something you might prefer to something that, yeah, this is good too. There are several things you can do with food. And so those, those are some things you can do where you're not punishing the little ones, but you're making an impact on the older ones. If you are near as a Catholic, if you're near a parish or a church, you, you try to go to daily mass. Now, again, that one can be one that can get overwhelming if you're trying to go every day and you've never gone before. So maybe you make it one day a week, we go to mass. Or if your church has adoration in the mornings, maybe go to 15, 20, 30 minutes of adoration and do that as a family. Understand the time frame will depend on the ages of your children. So one of the things I would suggest is specifically if you're not Catholic, um, but if you're Catholic as well as uh, one of these things they call the sacrifice jar of beans. And so what we do is, is we place an empty jar, you know, next to a bag of dry beans. And so for every sacrifice or prayer or act of kindness or penance that we perform, a bean goes in the jar. Now on Easter morning, what we do is, is we replace the beans with like M&Ms, reminding them that the rewards of heaven are sweet. And so what Jesus gives us in, the, in his death and resurrection is actually sweet and not necessarily beans. Of course, if your family likes beans, make a bean soup. That'd be cool. Other things you can do is no music in the car. If you're a family that likes to listen to music in the car, no eating out, which can be a tough one for families who are on the go, or even having silent monastery type, type breakfast. So in monasteries, the, the, um, when the monks eat together, when the brothers eat together, they normally don't talk at mealtime. And so maybe having that as a time where, where you don't speak to each other and you just enjoy each other's presence. Can we do that all year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nice thing? Yeah. I'm it sorry, that's not very much of a sacrifice for me. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can be a practice that starts in Lent, couldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, and what I think what we want to do is we're is we're doing all of these different practices with our kids, even down to the littlest kids, is explaining what's behind these practices, why we're doing them. We don't want to just do something like this in isolation and not right. maybe read the passage from Scripture about Jesus's forty days in the desert or talk about you know sacrifice with them. Yeah. as we're doing it. Right. And, and remind, yeah, exactly. Reminding them why we're doing it. And, you know, lots of times what we would do is, is we would, we would say as we're about to go do it. Now, you know, why are we giving up radio in the car? Well, we're giving up for Jesus. And we, you know, as everybody kind of grumbles about it, but, um, you know, just kind of explaining and, and trying to reinforce, you know, no, this isn't just for Jesus. This is for us. This is so that Jesus can work in our lives it can work, you know, in our hearts and in our family. And so that when we're in the car together, we're not all isolated. We're actually talking to each other, hopefully not yet 
yelling at each other, but, you know, hopefully conversing and, and sharing family time together, that, that just being one of the examples. And so, so, so yeah, making sure that there's an understanding of why we're doing it and it's not just something we're doing. I think probably the worst thing we could do is pick up a practice like that and not explain why we're doing it. Um, right. You know, just to start something new and not, not really explain why. We've talked a little bit about giving up with children and we've talked about adding some extra scripture or some prayer to our day. And we can certainly do that uh, in morning time as well. What about service? You mentioned the bean jar and making sacrifices. A lot of times for us, those sacrifices were kind of acts of service or works of charity towards each other and for others. So uh, those have a place in Lent. Absolutely. Choosing to do something nice for, well, like when it's not your turn to, for, for kids' sake, when it's not your turn to do the dishes, doing the dishes for whoever that is and, and um, being able to, you know, to offer that up, um, helping someone with a chore that you wouldn't necessarily do. So if, if it's one of their jobs to, to sweep the floor, maybe helping with sweeping it. Um, and, and just all sorts of things. If you have little ones, one helping the other get into their car seat is, is a great way to encourage. And it, it helps mom out too. And dad yeah. out too. So um, those sorts of things. And then I think some other things too is, is choosing to do something nice, you know, each day for um, or each week for a neighbor or even for the church. I know that um, in a lot of churches, they have to fold their own bulletins or they have to make copies of particular things. And as long as, you know, as long as there's not, you know, 12 kids up there in the church office, I think <laughs> uh, that's something you can kind of, uh, kind of help with. I, I know that churches um, have to do um, cleanup in, in their, in their pews and stuff. People leave, you know, candy wrappers or even just the bulletins from, from that week or, or the, Hymnals need to be, you know, straightened up. All those sorts of things can be done in a church. And that's usually a place where you can go and give service that they're happy to take it. But also having a neighbor or maybe someone who's elderly that you know needs help or would just enjoy the company of young children. I know that um, one thing that we used to do because we were homeschoolers, we could do this. We would go up to the nursing home and we would play uh, checkers on Fridays with, with some of the residents that were there and, and just spend time with them. Man, they loved having the kids around. Um, and so just giving it or, or playing cards uh, the, the little ladies there loved having their nails done. And so we would take teenagers sometimes in my youth group and we would go over there and they would do, they would do these, you know, do nails for them. And so just because the it's service doesn't mean it has to necessarily be sacrifice. It can be doing something fun for someone too, um, like spending time with them or playing games with them in a way for someone who doesn't have that or for someone who needs that and doesn't get it regularly. It, it's still sacrificial. It doesn't feel horribly sacrificial, but um, it is still sacrificial because you are giving of yourself and you are taking the time uh, to do that. But those are all great ways that, that kids can, can get involved with uh, that kind of, of Lenten practice. 
Father Doug has given us a number of uh, links and resources that we are going to share with you guys in the show notes and some great ideas on how you can pull your little ones close and uh, have these conversations about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving and sacrifice throughout this season leading up to Easter. Father Doug, you have a fun Instagram account. Where can everybody find you on Instagram? Yeah, if you want to find me on Instagram, you would go to Father Doug Martin, F-R-D-O-U-G-M-A-R-T-I-N. Well, thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Asherita Choo Choo is a best-selling writer and speaker, wife to her high school sweetheart, and mama to three spunky kiddos. She grew up in Romania as a missionary kid and studied English and women's ministry at Cedarville University. She's the founder of One Thing Alone Ministries, an online ministry that helps overwhelmed women find joy in Jesus through creative and consistent time in God's Word. Asherita? Welcome to the program. Pam, thank you so much for having me. It's my joy to be here. It is so good to have you here. And I am really excited about your new book. It's Uncovering the Love of Jesus. And it's all about what? You tell us what it's about. Yeah, it's a Lenten devotional. And I invite readers to discover Jesus' love in a whole new way by looking at the ways that he loved individuals in the Gospels. So everything from a friend at a wedding who is facing the possibility of public shame and embarrassment because of running out of wine and the way he loves that friend to the Garden of Gethsemane and how he loves his enemy by healing the ear of the high priest servant. All the ways that Jesus' Jesus's love just pours out toward the people in his life Um, during his lifetime and the way that we can uncover that love, not just toward us and in us, but through us toward other people as well. Awesome. Okay. So this book is a devotional and it's meant to be read through the season of Lent. Now I'm going to tell you, I got a giggle out of your email. Uh, Most of my listeners know that I'm Catholic and I get your email and the subject line was surprised by Easter. And I'm like, Oh yeah, she's not Catholic. <laughs> we're we're never surprised by Easter. We slog through the 40 days, you know, yearning to be closer and closer and get to that Easter morning. So I know that this is not something that a lot of non-Catholic Christians do. What was it that prompted you to dive deeper and create a, a devotional for Lent? Yeah, so I didn't grow up observing Lent. And denominationally, I didn't grow up Catholic. So I just thought, you know, that's something Catholics do. And that's great for them, but it's not for me. And it wasn't until college that I even heard of my peers in the evangelical world asking me, like, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm like, wait, what? Why? Like, we don't do Lent. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused, Pam. Um, but then over the years, I just, I, I was intrigued by the liturgical calendar. And really drawn to this idea of rhythms in a spiritual life, Um, opportunities to lament, to slow down and grieve for what is broken, 
uh, not just the sin in my own life, but what's broken in the world. I think that's such a gift that Lent offers the church, a, a safe space within community in which we can fast from good gifts, but maybe things that um, steal our affection and our attention from God. And so an opportunity to identify with Jesus and his sufferings, not to earn salvation, which was the way I had thought about mm -hmm. it before, but rather as a way of experiencing his grace in a new way. Uh, so actually, my, my journey more started with mm -hmm. Advent. And then once, once I had kind of done Advent for a few years, um, the next logical step was Lent. And it has been just such a beautiful invitation to slow down and to experience God's love in a whole new way in the season leading up to Easter. Because you're right, Catholics are probably not surprised by it. But um, speaking from an evangelical perspective, Easter kind of sneaks up on us. <laughs> like, we're like, wait, all of a sudden, like, it's not the same time of year every year. And so it's just kind of like, wait, where did this come from? And the Lent is this beautiful invitation to slow down and to identify with Jesus and his sufferings. And um, it, yeah, I just love it. I could go on and on about it. Obviously, I wrote a book about it. So yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's just an incredibly meaningful uh, time of year. And you're right. You're right about the slowing down. And then to taking the time to focus, you know, uh, Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. Mm -hmm. And so to, to take, take the time to focus on what it's like to sit and wait and prepare for 40 days. And I think one of the most beautiful things about Lent is it makes Easter all that much sweeter. Yes. You know, yes. it really, really does to have this, this period of preparation and this period of time beforehand where you're, you're giving up a little more than what you normally would. You're praying a little more than what you normally would. Uh, you're focusing a little more on others instead of yourself than what you normally would. And then, you know, Easter breaks upon you all joyous and it's like uh, you're, you're ready for it by the time it gets here and can mm. appreciate it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the most humbling things about Lent has been that it's uncovered my failures oh, yeah. and my weaknesses, you know, because it's so easy for me to be all or nothing, right? Like if I'm going to give up sugar for Lent or whatever, Netflix for Lent, like it's, I'm going to go all the way. And then it's just a few days in when I fail. And I think the temptation is to say, well, oh, well, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. Like, sorry, God. And then just go back to my old way of thinking. But it's actually offered a context for repentance and for growth to say, yes, I failed. I am, I am dust. Um, I am human. I am prone to wander and I feel it and I know it and you know it too. And so in these failures to actually turn our hearts back toward God, say, Lord, would you do a new work in my life? Would you change what only you can change? And obviously I cannot. And in that way, it's such a sweet such a sweet time of, of getting away with God in the midst of the busyness of our everyday lives and experiencing that just like spring coming to a desolate and, and winter landscape, experiencing that in our own lives as, as God prunes away the, the weeds and, and the dead growth, it leads to fresh fruit and life and growth in such a beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always reminded every single Lent that, uh, you know, I can do nothing on my own. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have to rely upon him. So, 
Well, one of the things I loved about your book, well, tell me, go ahead and break it down for the listener who's interested and who might be clicking over to Amazon as we speak. Uh, <laughs> how did you structure the book and, and what exactly are you offering in there? Because it is a Lenten devotional for women, but it's also for families as well. Yeah. So um, there are 40 devotions leading up to Easter Sunday, um, five a week, and each one focuses on a different aspect of Jesus' love as seen in a personal interaction um, during his lifetime that we find in the Gospels. But um, what I've done is I've framed each week in a way that invites our families into this experience. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel ill-equipped to mm -hmm. lead my children into studying God's word and praying in a way that feels natural and organic. And that actually lines up with what I'm doing in my own time in God's word, you know? And so what I wanted to do is to provide kind of these tracks for us to invite our children into this time, um, kind of studying some of the same things we do. So at the beginning of every week, there are family celebrations, because this is one thing, Pam, that I learned. Uh, I was always a bit confused how Lent is supposed to be 40 days, but it's actually longer than 40 days. And like, <laughs> how is all of that calculated? <laughs> so it wasn't until, like I said, I was an adult and I was researching and I found out, oh, you don't Sundays count Sundays <laughs> are not counted because Jesus rose from the dead on Sundays. And so even in the midst of the somber season um, of, of grief and lament, Sundays are supposed to be celebratory. Yeah. And so we celebrate Jesus on Sundays. And so that's what I call them. I call them family celebrations. And um, it's just a short, it's like a 10 minute family devotional that you can do. I provide um, a passage from the Bible to read some questions for you and your children to ponder. And then each week we explore a different aspect of why did Jesus have to die? Um, and I find kids ask the best questions. And that was one that I just felt ill-prepared to answer with my own kids. So um, as you go through the devotional and these family celebrations, by the end of Lent, you'll have explored eight different reasons that Jesus died, eight aspects of what he did on the cross in his death. And then each family celebration, the devotional, ends with a hymn that um, just puts to music what we've learned and kind of gives a soundtrack for the season as well. So those are family celebrations that are at the beginning of each week, just a way to invite our children into the season as well. And then at the end of every week, I have um, activities that we can do as a family to kind of explore the meaning of Easter and Lent. And this is something, Pam, that I heard from my readers um, year over year is that I want my children to know that Easter is about Jesus, <laughs> that it's not about the Easter bunny mm -hmm. or the egg hunt or the candy or whatever, the baskets. I want them to know it's about Jesus, but I, I just don't know how to teach them that in a way that is age appropriate. So each week I offer five different activities that help you do that. And these range from fun crafts that you can do for the person who is craft challenged. And I'm raising my hand right now because I'm not a crafty <laughs> person, but these are things that even I can do. <laughs> so they're simple crafts like that, um, that just provide visuals and like a hands-on way of exploring ideas like, um, Jesus is the Passover lamb. What does that mean? 
Um, and so we read the Exodus story and, and um, that last plague in Egypt and how they had to slaughter a lamb and put the blood over the doorposts. And as you're reading the story, the craft that goes along with it is cutting out a little lamb out of cardboard and having them wind some yarn around it. Like I, I heard, I read this idea somewhere online and I just love this hands-on way for them to picture Jesus as the Passover lamb. So every week there are hands-on crafts like that, mm-hmm. but then there are also creative spins on some of these ancient disciplines that are associated with Lent and that's fasting, prayer, and giving. Those are the mm-hmm. three disciplines yep. um, that accompany this Lent experience. So just some um, fun and not necessarily fun, but like some creative out of the box ideas to do that. Um, so maybe inviting your family to give up any beverage and only drink water during Mm. the 40 days of Lent. And with the money that you've saved, uh, you could maybe sponsor a child through these wonderful child sponsorship ministries and pray for that child and write letters to that child. And so there are ways for your children to be able to grow and grasp uh, the bigger meaning of Easter and Lent. And obviously, uh, there's no expectation that you do all of the activities. <laughs> I, just, I include uh, over 30 in the book um, because I know different ones will appeal to families in different seasons. And um, I just, I love that freedom that comes with do what is right for your family in this season. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, our parish hands out rice bowls every year. And so these are little cardboard uh, bowls that we put together. And as we uh, make our Lenten sacrifices, we put, uh, we put the pennies and the change and the money into the bowls. And then um, at the end of Lent, right before Easter on Holy Thursday, we actually take those in and, uh, you know, bring them to the altar and, and mm-hmm. make that as part of our sacrifice. So yes, very much in a similar vein, you have those opportunities for the prayer, the fasting and the almsgiving that uh, traditionally goes along with Lent. So if we have somebody who is listening to us and they're, they're not Catholic, they've never been liturgical, but they're intrigued by this idea, why would you encourage them to, to take a look at, at Lent as a practice they might want to pick up this year? I would say if your heart yearns for rhythm and for slowing down and really sitting in quiet to grasp more of Jesus's love, I would encourage you to give Lent a try. I think one of the beautiful things that I'm seeing now with millennials as they're becoming parents and especially in the, in the evangelical church as they're starting to air quotes discover right these, <laughs> these liturgical traditions because really they've been there all along. But now we feel, I think there's a permission to say, maybe I could try this on my own, and, and I can see how does this fit into my family, um, into, into where I feel the Lord is leading me. I, there's a beautiful freedom to say, God invites us to come to Him. And, and He promises in Jeremiah, He says, You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. And what I found in my research on the history of Lent is that this practice of taking 40 days before Easter to fast and pray and serve and give and love goes back to the early church. Mm -hmm. It goes back to 
the, the hundreds, right? The disciples of the apostles practiced this and such a beautiful and rich tradition. And I would just encourage you if, if you're in that space where you're like, I want something more this year for my family and for me for Easter. I want to experience, like Paul said, uh, to identify with Jesus and his sufferings, to become like him in his death so that I might attain the power of the resurrection. Uh, if that resonates with you, I would encourage you to pick up this book and give Lent a try. Ask God to lead you in it. And you might just be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Asherita, thank you so much for coming on here and talking about your experience with Lent and this resource that you've created for families so that they could bring this certainly into their um, into their families, into their homeschools and into their morning times as well. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Sure. You can go. My website is onethingalone.com. And I'm really easy to find on, on Instagram. My handle is at Asherita. And you can see that spelling in the show notes and in the episode title. Um, but also, Pam, I wanted to just make it easy for listeners to get started with these Lenten activities. So I put together a guide. It's a Lenten family activity guide. And all listeners have to do is text the word love, L-O-V-E, to the number 33777. And I'll just send that to your phone. Easy peasy. All right. So wonderful way to get those uh, Lenten activities for every family uh, by texting that word. And we're going to put the uh, the word you need to text, which is simple love and the number you need uh, into the show notes for this episode as well. Well, Asherita, thank you so much. And I hope you have a blessed Lent. Pam, thank you so much for having me. Many blessings on you and your family. There you have it. Two great interviews and also so many wonderful resources for you guys for this episode. So be sure to go over to the show notes at pambarnhill.com forward slash YMB67 to get links to Asherita's book and all of the wonderful resources that Father Doug put together for us and also information about that fun Shakespeare event that is happening. We want you to not miss out on that one as well. So if you decide to pick up a few small sacrifices or extra spiritual practices with your kids during the season of Lent, we are wishing you many, many blessings on that one. And we'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another great podcast interview. Until then, Keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.